Hey everyone, Matt Beecher here, CEO of Neocova, and welcome to the MongoDB podcast. To keep pace with market demands, as well as banking and financial industry trends, banks have to lean into data. They have to leverage analytics to maximize the value of the information they already have at their disposal. My guests today are helping community and regional banks do just that. Matt Beecher and Matt Almeida of Neocova join me today to talk about how Neocova is leveraging MongoDB to capture, process, identify key trends in their customers' data, and help them make better decisions. MongoDB's biggest user conference ever is coming to New York City June 7th through the 9th. Visit mongodb.com slash world 2022. Use the code podcast when you register for 25% off your tickets and some special podcast swag. Hey everyone, Matt Beecher here, CEO of Neocova, and welcome to the MongoDB podcast. Well, welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be talking with some folks from Neocova, uh, Matt Beecher and Matt Almeida. Matt Beecher, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, and thanks for uh, having us. And Matt Almeida, welcome. Thank you. Incredibly excited to be here. Yeah. If we could do some introductions, Matt Beecher, why don't you go first? Tell the folks who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, I'm CEO of Neocova, and uh, that sort of means I, I do everything and you know try to herd cats along. But you know, from a background perspective, I've been a fintech guy. Uh, since the late 90s when we called it e-finance. So I've been around and seen a lot of things. Well, welcome once again to the show. And Matt Almeida, uh, welcome. Tell the folks who you are and what you do. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm Matt Almeida. I'm the Vice President of Engineering for Neocova. Just like uh, Matt Beecher herds cats, uh, I do the same for our technology. And so uh, I, I've had a background that's heavy in data and distributed architecture. So I wear a bit of a generalist hat, pop around and, you know, see, see what interesting solutions we can whip up. Today, we're going to be talking about Neocova. And I think it might be helpful. Matt Beecher, if you, if you could introduce us to who Neocova is as a company, what is it that you do? Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd be delighted to. So we are a banking technology startup. And if we stop there, that doesn't say anything at all, because there's a lot of folks out in the space. But specifically, you know, we're focused on helping banks better utilize their largest asset, which is data, and leveraging that to drive better outcomes, better outcomes for the bank itself, and better outcomes for their customers. You know, we're, we're in kind of a fast paced environment where banking itself had traditionally been pretty stagnant. You know, there's this old adage in banking 363, which which means uh, pay 3% interest, charge 6% interest and be on the golf course by three. And, you know, it didn't require a lot of effort to maintain a bank. The moat was so big and impenetrable that, you know, it wasn't a technology driven, it was a relationship driven business. And I think, you know, that market has changed dramatically over the last decade and, and especially over the last five years. And so, you know, the what of it is that we set out to do, we saw a huge opportunity in that space to modernize data and accessibility of data for community banks, which, by the way, represent 95% of banks in the United States. And, you know, we all know the big banks and they have thousands of people at their disposal. You know, our focus really has been to sort of build that modern data and analytics platform that is uniquely structured for those banks to meet the needs of a ever-changing and ever-changing demand and requirements of their customers. Those customers could be you know, small to medium-sized businesses, they could be established companies, and they could be you and me, 
right? These these changes and demands are, are are pretty rapid. And so that's what we set out to do. And that's what we're doing right now. Well, so I'm curious about the solutions that you offer these banks. First of all, 95% of the banks in the world or in the country? In, in, the, in the United States. In the United States are community banks. And what differentiates a community bank from, from a larger bank? What's the volume level? Yeah, simply a typical community bank is going to have a handful of locations and they serve their local community, right? And and that's sort of the general definition of a community bank. If you take it out a little bit further, it's it's generally in size, asset size. You know, you start to, if banks start getting above the $10 billion level in assets, that's when they start having a definition of a regional bank. But anything below that, we can generally categorize as a community bank that are structured specifically to serve their communities geographically. And in terms of the systems and solutions that you're offering, what do those look like? Is it cash management? Is it HR? Is it payroll? Is it? So no, none of the above. We are you know, strictly focused on data and data analytics. And you know, what we've built is a platform that allows these banks and, and banks that have largely been ignored from a technology perspective or have been held captive by larger service providers like an FIS, a FISERV or a Jack Henry. And yes, I will name them by name. And that doesn't allow, this is the classic sort of monolith, right? That is really, really hard to manage. Some of these banks are running mainframes and, and coding in COBOL still, you know, to this day. So we're really not a front end user experience company. We're really back end in, in making sure that the piping is is modern and allowing these banks to easily drive analytics out of our platform. And, and we really built everything around kind of three three primary principles from our, our architecture. One is being cloud. The second is being modular. And the third is being best in class. So we kind of look at what we do as ingesting and transforming data from multiple sources in a bank. Banks are notorious for being incredible and endpoint consumers. They love endpoint solutions. That creates a huge problem. So we're able to take data, transform that data into a single unified language and store that data. And then we've created an application layer on top of that, uh, which we can plug in our tools, which are analytics, advanced analytics and third party tools as well that are best in class. So we're kind of bucking the trend of that monolith structure uh, from a banking technology perspective. Okay, so I'm starting to understand the business model a little better. We've got a cloud-based system. You're helping these banks by ingesting their data and allowing them to find insights about their customer base. Yeah. Okay. And what are some of the things that you're helping them improve on with that with that knowledge, with that data? So there's a couple things, right? First is sort of operational efficiency. You know, we see this all the time, Matt Almeida and myself, when we're talking to banks, you know, they're they're hiring anywhere between, you know, 10 and 15, some cases, 20 FTEs that are doing nothing but Excel modeling and dragging data out of hard to get to data sources to provide some level of analytics. By the time they get to an answer, it's way too late. So from an operational perspective, you know, we're really focused there on adding operational scale to an organization. The second piece of that is analytics, right? This is driving speed to an actual insight through one of our tools that we call Spotlight. This is very ML and AI heavy. These are answering questions that we all would think are really easy to answer. 
how many of my customers have a Roth IRA, but it's hard to get to. And sometimes it's mind blowing, but it's really tough for these banks because their systems don't allow them to do that. And then the last layer is, is application. So, you know, specificity, being able to uh, segment your customer base, again, sounds really simple, really tough to do. Target future product recommendations, really tough to do. You think it would be simple because shoot, you fire up Netflix every day and that does it by automatically. So we're kind of focused on building that knowledge graph that allows a bank simply to query the data to search for new opportunities or our stack pushes those opportunities to them in real time. So what's kind of interesting, we've moved from you know what was static data consumption into really real-time banking. And that's where everything's moving. And that's what gets really exciting for us. But you can't do that if you don't have a platform that isn't built for scale. Well, speaking of platforms built for scale, you're obviously a MongoDB customer. Yes, happily. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> Had you used other platforms besides MongoDB prior to uh, to making the shift to MongoDB? Uh, yeah, I, I can take that question. We really didn't. Right. Mongo was very attractive to us um, due to a lot of the advanced capabilities that it comes with, the, the NoSQL structure and data strategy, uh, which is what we wanted. And their, their cloud offering with Atlas is, is phenomenal and is right up our alley in terms of, you know, security, data isolation and, you know, ease of use when, when plugged into, you know, other cloud resources. And I imagine the, the structure, uh, the volumes and the sheer velocity of data that you're dealing with. I mean, NoSQL seems like a an easy, easy pick. You said that you, you really didn't consider anything prior to MongoDB. You didn't consider like a relational data source prior or anything like that. So this is a really interesting problem. And what we, we see in a lot of these banks' cores is that they'll have a new piece of information, right? Something new, something unique to just themselves, right? What accounts have ePay? Uh, what are the different relational paradigms between different customers and different accounts? And what often happens is because they use a relational model, they'll just, you know, keep the data normalized, but add another table. And what that has led to is the messy data that, that is the bread and butter of our problem. This causes the inefficiencies where, you know, what works for one bank and extracting this piece of data may not work for another, because it's a totally different structure or framework. And so using NoSQL really forced us to think about, right, what is this data? How is it going to be used? And, you know, put some thought into what that data format looked like before we started developing. It has definitely cost us uh, more work up front than if we were just to run SQL and, and go with, you know, the, the standard in the industry. But, but because of this, it's forced us to become a lot more clever with uh, what, what data we're looking at and what are our strategies at accessing that. And, and I do think that's given us a sharper weapon and that we, we understand both the data and the industry better in, in creating this data format. And while we're on the, the tech side of things, Matt Almeida, can you talk a little bit about the frameworks and the architecture of Neocova solutions? I mean, you mentioned it's, it's cloud-based, but what are you using for development platforms? So, so our ingestion strategy is handled within Python. And we found that is a lot just more efficient and powerful when dealing with data and the data structures. So all of our pipeline is essentially shaped out in Python along with our data format. Then we have a front end to, to access this. And, and we have a separate team that focuses on that that works with Node.js. And so we, we have a different, you know, kind of a web application stack that's built, you know, React, Node, um, on, on AWS, ECS to access this. 
Python is one of my favorite languages to work in for sure. And uh, the popularity of Node.js, I mean, it's crazy. I guess um, at some point we'll want to talk about whether you're hiring, if, if that's something that you're interested in getting some attention on. Let's talk a little bit more about the, the business impact. And you mentioned the importance of data. Talk a little bit about some of the, the metrics that you're looking at and exposing for your customers in the al- analytics realm. How important is that to your overall strategy as a business? Yeah, for, for us, you know, it's about ROI. Um, you know, if a bank is going to go down the path of modernizing, quote unquote, their data stack, it has to be for a really good reason. And there has to be a deliverable ROI on the back end. You know, for a banking institution, it really, really comes down to two things. Can I drive more deposits, i.e., uh, well, actually three things, drive more deposits, uh, that is acquire new customers. Can I sell my existing customers more product? And I think that's probably the biggest, you know, use case that we're focused on right now. And then the second, the third, I'm sorry, is um, how do I stop the outflow of assets uh, to third parties? Uh, And that's always sort of a risk, right? And if I take the last one first, again, sometimes it sounds simple, but, you know, banks don't have a great sense on a granular level of where outflows are happening in their bank. So that is a primary use case that we focus around. Hey, banker, you know, this is, I'm, I'm using the voice of our system, right? We can push notifications to a bank and say, hey, we're seeing a lot of deposits to cryptocurrency platforms, or, or here are your outflows going to cryptocurrency tools and, and, and platforms. Okay, now that drives strategy. What should we do about it? Because those are that's money leaving our bank. That's not a good thing. Other things, you know, we, we see a lot or banks want to have, you know, answers to is better householding and better sense of what's happening with held away accounts. That is accounts that aren't part of the bank. Mortgages are sort of the canonical, right? It's like, oh, geez, you know, we just saw, you know, Matt Almeida had a X thousand dollar, you know, output or, or outflow to Citibank. If we apply logic to that over time, it's probably a mortgage. Now that we can identify that Matt Almeida has a mortgage at Citibank, that's an opportunity for us. That doesn't exist at all in banking today. You would have to handcraft that analysis. And I'm not joking. This is an Excel exercise. You got to have the right metadata, transaction data to do it. It's impossible. That's on retail banking. On commercial banking, which again is a little bit different, but you know, there's it's interesting things like you know, banks make a lot of money on on credit cards. And if a bank can tell that there have, there's a monthly outflow going to MX but from a commercial customer, that's an opportunity to say, hey, we can actually do better. Why don't you think about opening up a business credit card with us? And, and it's going to be at a cheaper rate or whatever the case may be. Huge opportunities. Merchant services are another big one where banks do not have insight into this, even though they offer merchant services. And we just did this one example, tr- real life. The bank had a hunch that they lost about uh, $1 million of lost merchant fees a year. And we ran through the analytics. That number wasn't one, it was five. So $5 million of, of revenue was transacting outside of the bank, you know, with entities like Stripe and Square and other things that are able to to, to offer merchant services, but the cost structure is so out of whack. You know, it's three and a quarter percent where this bank can actually do that service at, you know, a point and a half, and they didn't know it. 
You know, they just simply didn't know it. So those are kind of the real life examples of being able to kind of harness this data and then translate that into something that is truly actionable uh, for the banks. It's powerful. We're not we're not talking about basis point improvements. We're talking about massive, massive improvements for a bank. Well, that's exciting. And knowing that the possibilities are there, that's that's really exciting, just through visibility of the data. Can you talk a little bit about the scale? Are you comfortable sharing the number of customers you have and, and maybe in, just in terms of the, the volumes of data you're dealing with? Yeah. So look, from a, from a customer perspective, you know, myself, Matt and team, you know, we, we set out to really kind of build, you know, as any startup you go through, you know, fits and starts and uh, a journey to sort of find the product that really sort of hits and resonates, you know, with uh, with the right target audience. And I'd say, you know, over the last year, we've in earnest kind of built this new sort of data stack, which we're incredibly excited about. But look, over that period of time, you know, we've now working with 10 plus banking customers. And so in the world of banking, that is a lot, you know, with a lot more that um, are very interested in what we're doing and excited, you know, about that. From a volume of data, Matt Almeida is probably better suited to to answer that question. Yeah, I, I think a general ballpark is we'll see anywhere from about 10 to 20 gigs of data from a bank a month. And that, that differs based on the size of the bank and the data sources they're interested in pulling in. But there's quite a lot, not a massive amount. We're not dealing with petabytes a day yet, you know, give us some time. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, great that, you know, we have the tools able to handle that scale without causing a hiccup in the slightest with our strategy. So we do have some technical listeners. And in addition to the, the framework that we talked about, are you comfortable sharing a little bit more detail about the architecture of your ingestion and analytics platform? Right now, we're working with a partner to look at ways we can extract that more efficiently. Um, but as it enters our system, we will take that generally as a flat file and we'll start iterating through that to start to basically parse and process the data, uh, make sure it gets you know, normalized against our format, and, and then store that into Mongo. As, as soon as we have this kickoff, it's an event streaming type of system because there's usually an order in which we need to ingest the files, and then an order in which analytics we can kick off uh, from that point. So once we reach certain levels of ingestion, this will actually kick off these events to a rule engine, uh, which will run analysis and, and output some of these events, um, add add certain new metrics to data that, that we wouldn't otherwise have captured. And, and that forms basically the core of ingestion going into our, our storage layer. From this point, uh, a user will have many different ways of interacting with this data. Uh, I mentioned the Node web application, but we're looking at other extensions into, say, you know, Salesforce or you know, common BI tools. Uh, different ways to to visualize and understand this data. I don't think we do anything too incredibly fancy on on that end of the house, um, but we have some very clean code that's that's optimized for you know surfacing this data and delivering it in a fashion that's going to serve our customers. Now, are you doing any data enrichment where you uh, reach out to other other sources and uh, enrich that data? We do. We do. That's actually part of the ingestion pipeline is that once we get certain pieces of data in, say, uh, maybe a, a transaction from, from the banking core, we actually have other third-party APIs we can reach out to to get uh, more detailed information, right? What does the merchant code translate to, right? Where where did this occur, right? What What type of branch of, you know, a retail store did this happen at? And we can actually map really specific insights into what, what's happening with this user, with their transactions, and with, you know, their overall bank account. 
Oh, that's fantastic. And that's that that data visibility. So visibility from starting with a transaction and then to an individual user. Yeah, that's that's fantastic visibility. Are you able to share uh, metrics around improvements that you've been able to help your customers experience? Yeah, it's interesting, right? So there's there's two different ways to sort of measure success. Okay, so a lot of banks will come to us and this is, you know, a generalized quote, paraphrase quote, but it's pretty much consistent across all banks. Our core processing system, which again are typically the big three, FAS, Fiserv, Jack Henry, our data is a mess. Therefore, we need a new core processor. And that is just flat out wrong. It misses the point of everything. Your data isn't a mess. Well, your data is sort of a mess because of that. But you, what you really need is a better data management product or, or better data, data management solution. And so it's almost, you know, saying don't fight the tape here. So from a metrics perspective, there's one way to approach this, which banks sort of look at this and saying, I need a data solution. So I am going to build it myself. And we see a lot of that, right? We are going to hire uh, developers, and they don't even know what developer means, but they say this, right? I'm going to hire developers, which it's magical. Everybody's the same. And that's not a problem, right? To do in a massively competitive, you know, environment, we're going to hire a bunch of developers and we're going to in- engage with a data warehouse provider and we're good. Like, what's the big deal? Like, we're, we're great. What happens 10 times out of 10 is that takes five years to implement. It costs millions and millions of dollars and they're kind of lost. So where we come in is typically try to fix those problems. We've done that now a few times. The second is really uh, those folks that are thinking about doing that, we can come in at, you know, just on an ROI perspective, you know, we're talking about 100, 200, 300% ROI just from a cost perspective of a, of a different platform solution versus a DIY solution. So that's one side of it, which is dramatically different than the, so that's the operational side. That's operational ROI, which again, it, it's for 200, 300, 400%. It's massive. But then on the practicality, you know, perspective, of it, there's real stuff, right? You know, just having this insight and being able to uh, get deeper amongst their customers and, and segment drives better campaigning for that bank and, and more appropriate discussion. So I gave you the example of discovering merchant services that just didn't or mer- merchant fees that just didn't no one knew about. Now that bank can take that a step further and start approaching these people. What we are building right now, though, are really exciting things. And what I said before, we think about data source, data platform, and then applications on top. One of those applications that we're integrating right now with is Salesforce, and we're looking to do others as well. We're not building a CRM. We don't want to, (laughs) right? But we want that CRM system to be able to use good data and more importantly, at that level, employ uh, reverse ETL and, and push that data back down into the, the data system as well. Where I'm going with that is it now becomes push button campaigning inside their existing CRM system with those datas and data insights. And that's really, really powerful stuff. So really, it's it's a play in unleashing the power and the value of the data that they already have. Yeah, that's exactly it. They have the data. It's there. <laughs> you know, it's there. So you're using MongoDB. We've covered that. 
What products in the MongoDB platform are you using? Yeah, so we use Atlas, like I mentioned earlier, um, phenomenal distributed cloud offering. Uh, we're also leaning into charts right now. I, I know you've had a, a few sessions on, on charts for this podcast before, but for anyone not familiar, it's a phenomenal uh, BI tool. And we actually have some interesting use case where we want to embed this in a per customer instance strategy. And the, the Mongo team has been kind enough to meet with us and, and go over the product roadmap and see how we can you know, work together to take this product to the next level. So I'm really excited about seeing where that grows into. We're also um, very excited to leverage Profiler. I've used that just a hint here and there built into Atlas and uh, the BI connector as well to find ways to export that data to, to other sources. So um, there, there's a litany of, you know, here and there tools that we have. Oh, can't, can't forget Compass. Compass is a phenomenal uh, strategy that we use to, to access and manipulate that data. So we, we try to find any piece of the stack y'all have and see how we can use it. <laughs> The BR, BI connector tool as well, Matthew, I don't know if you mentioned that, but we're, we're going to utilize that as well. So you're using that to connect it to, to some, um, some BI tools like, or are you using Tableau or? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. You know, we, part of our stack is that we have a very, very robust analytics tool, but there are instances out there where a bank is just embedded with an existing BI tool, which it's like, okay, that's fine. We, we're not going to fight fight you on that one. So we are using, you know, utilizing the the BI connectors for folks that are using Tableau or Power BI or other toolings uh, on the BI uh, stack and visualization visualization stack, and and that's pretty great for us, right? Because we we call it BYO BI, and um, it seems to work, you know, for our customers as well to have that optionality. Yeah. I mean, so if you're ingesting this data and you're providing analytics and you're, are, I guess you're, are you reformatting the data? Are you creating new data sources for them and then offering those back to the, to the customers? Yeah, we have a proprietary data format, which we, you know, manipulate everything into as we ingest. And, you know, like I said, we, we spent some time making sure we developed this to be optimal for, you know, the extraction, for the querying of data. So, so we think that that's where kind of the magic lies. You know, once we can take all this data and put it into one kind of universal source, that's where we can unlock all the powerful access across any bank. Well, it's certainly been a great conversation and there's so many amazing things happening at Neocova. I'm really excited for your growth and, and all of the the great things happening. Uh, I'm curious, this has to be a, a great growth time for you. I would imagine that you're hiring. Are there specific roles you're looking to fill? And, and what type of skills would you be looking for if, if you're hiring? Yeah, we're, we're actually looking for data engineers right now. What we're looking for is someone who's, you know, astute and sharp with the use of Python. We like very clean, neatly typed, organized code. So, so having, you know, a preference or, you know, a, a leaning towards working in that manner is a huge boon. Uh, we also, of course, with, with MongoDB and the NoSQL stack, uh, really want to have a heavy background in that. Um, someone who's, you know, worked with the data models before and, you know, would be no stranger to, to jumping into a code base, picking up where we are and helping us drive forward faster. Well, if folks are listening and they've got some Python skills and an interest in working with MongoDB, where should they go to get more information? We have our LinkedIn page and I know we have a post up on AngelList right now. I can, I can find that link and see if we can attach it later. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll uh, include links in the show notes. I want to thank you both for joining me. Is there anything else you'd like to mention before we begin to wrap up? No, I think we've covered it all. 
and we appreciate your time and the opportunity. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Matt and Matt, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Mom. Michael, it was a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks so much to Matt and Matt for stopping by. Thanks to you, the listeners. Make sure you check out mongodb.com slash world-2022. It's MongoDB's biggest user conference, June 7th through the 9th in New York City. Use the code podcast when you register for 25% off your tickets and some very cool podcast swag.